0: Welcome to episode 12 of Starting Nowhere. I'm your host, Brandon. Today, my guest is Scorpion November. We're going to talk about 90 Day Fiance and what the relationships on there say about the people who participate in them. We also talk about having a high IQ versus a high EQ and what introverts versus extroverts mean. Please enjoy today's episode. So welcome, Miss Scorpion, to the Starting Nowhere podcast. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are?
1: Hi, my name is Scorpion November. I'm a podcaster and a blogger. I have three podcasts currently, one of them being Smart Mouth Scorpio Podcast, The Fix Podcast, and If It Isn't Love Podcast. All of those focuses on totally different things. None of them are alike or with the same content. So yeah, I like podcasting. Mm
0: Well, it is funny, we were kind of talking about that a little bit before we got uh, started recording here, but that's exact opposite of me in that I want this to be kind of an everything catch all and very free flowing and very, uh, you don't want, you know, maybe people don't watch some episodes because it's not for them. I, I expect that mm-hmm. to happen kind of, and maybe somewhere down the line I'll do that and I'll branch off to multiple. So, how have you found that uh, kind of process to work for you? How do you like that? Do you like having them separated that way? Do you think it gets you more in touch with the user base for that kind of podcast?
1: I do. Initially, when I started podcasting, I started. Po- I used to listen to podcasts all day long for eight to ten hours a day while I was at work. And I initially started podcasting because I didn't hear my voice. And when I say my voice, I didn't hear the authenticity there. I didn't hear opinions that I that that fit well with my belief system and the way that I saw the world. And one of my favorite authors, um, Chebe, um the author of the book things fall apart if you haven't read it you should read it but it's an amazing amazing book and i read it about once a year just because it's so amazing to me and paraphrasing what um a quote that he said he said if you don't like the story being told write your own and so that's essentially what i'm doing with my podcast i'm writing my own story i'm telling the story from my perspective story as a black woman in America from my perspective in the way that I viewed the world. And so my first podcast, um, Smart Mouth Scorpio podcast, it focuses on politics, culture, you know, just Black life and living life as a Black person in America. And then, excuse me, if you hear the mouth sounds, I'm sorry, I just have mouth sounds. So I'm just going to apologize for that now. <laughs> and then the Fix podcast, I watch um reality tv i like reality television primarily shows that come on tlc 90 day fiance things of that nature i like i like own tele- television show things things of that nature and so i i was like i know there's other people out there that like it as well and they're wondering like what the hell are these people doing why are they going to another country dating someone and have no idea about their culture but getting pissed off because the person wants them to wear a hijab why do you know what i mean so i was like i know there's other people that feel that way and then when i started if it is in love podcast i wanted to talk about love black love, relationships, my experiences, and I have a love of the music. And so I wanted to incorporate those into one podcast. And I felt like putting all three of those, you can see how they're all different. They all focus on different things. And I thought putting all of those in one thing would be too much, too much of it, and it will be an overload. And so I wanted to separate them and kind of give it a flow where I was meeting people where they were at and, um fulfilling a need or niche or whatever the case may be with all three of those podcasts and they seem to work out well for me because I'm able to keep it separated um and and move on from there at some points they do have some of the similar stuff sometimes like the first season excuse me I shouldn't say season but um one of my earlier episodes of Smart Mouse Scorpio podcast I had a um some co-wives on there and so they are polygamous, mm-hmm. meaning that they are married to the same man. And so I had them on the first, one of the first few episodes of Smart Mouth Scorpio. Now when I want to look back at it. If I had have had If It Isn't Love podcast, I could have had them on there because I'm currently looking for a Black polygamous couple mm-hmm. or co-wives to interview and expand that. But they, sometimes they overlap just a little bit, but not all the time.
0: Okay, gotcha. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I could see how some of those topics would kind of be interwoven between the podcast and everything like that. So uh, you said something that was pretty interesting to me, or at least made me chuckle. I don't know if you saw me uh, put my head down a little bit in disappointment mm-hmm. uh, because my, girl- yeah, my <laughs> girlfriend loves that show. I, I cannot stand that show. and But I have because she likes it, I've seen so many episodes kind of in my peripheral or even sat down because we're eating dinner or something like that, and she wanted to watch it uh, and watch mm-hmm. them as well. And I I, for the life of me, cannot understand the desire for a relationship that much. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Not necessarily, like I said, you, yes, I think there is some culture clashes. Obviously, that's what the show is built off kind of is the culture mm-hmm. clashes and the drama and the relationships and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think that going to those lengths that some of those people do for relationships just to me is such a foreign concept, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, I just think that it's so it's so against my own mindset that it's hard for me to relate to them a lot of times. I sit there and I watch the show and I'm like, Why? Why are you doing this with this woman who probably's fake? It seems like she's fake cuz she hasn't showed up in like 8 episodes. She left her at the airport like 3 times and everything, you know what I'm saying? Uh like what are you doing? Like what what is inside you that is that scared of being alone with yourself for a little bit that you have to go through these legs, you know what I mean?
1: Mhm. Yeah, I what I have I I haven't gone to school for this, but I do study, I do read a lot and I just pay attention. A lot of that is self-esteem issues. And people haven't dealt with their stuff, haven't done the work Mm -hmm. where they would accept less than their own level of ideal treatment. They are accepting people treating them a way other than they desire to be treated. Mm -hmm. And so that's just like anybody else that's in a relationship, whether they're whether they met somebody at the club, the grocery store, what have you. Mm -hmm. And that person is not treating them in the way that they desire, in a way that is respectful, in a way that honors them and their culture and their beliefs. And they accept it anyway for the sake of saying they have someone, they love someone or someone loves them or whatever the case may be, or just someone giving them attention. Even if they have to fight for that attention and go through all this discourse and drama to get it, It's the fact that them saying they have someone. And so it's the same thing with people going to other countries meeting people. And there's nothing, let me say this, I have no problem with, no judgment with someone dating someone outside of another country. Mm -hmm. I don't even have a problem with somebody nine marrying somebody in 90 days. That's your business. That's your life. long as you're a consenting adult and know what you're doing, then I have no judgment there. Who am I to judge you and to tell you how you should receive love? My problem comes in or, my issue or dislike comes in when they accept less than what they want to accept, and what what doesn't make them feel good. Do
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know what I'm saying? Love should feel good, love should not hurt it really shouldn't. I know we've all heard that from the time we were kids that love shouldn't hurt you, and it really shouldn't love shouldn't disrespect you either. Yeah, there are going to be issues with anything, with with humans. We have to get along. We have to compromise. We have to do all these things. But it shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't dishonor and
0: disrespect you. Mm -hmm. I think with the proliferation of the internet the way that it is now, I think you're going to see more of these type of things because a lot of those walls are being broken down. You're already seeing online dating uh, go Mm -hmm. from being something that's so taboo to the way that a lot of people meet these days. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people don't look at it as the same way they did before where they're thinking that it's something that only weird people do. And so with that, you're going to start crossing those boundaries because the internet doesn't have the same distance that, you know, uh, we might with me trying to date somebody in my local area or or across the world with internet, everybody's local. And so we're going to really try to find connections that are built on something that is um, emotionally based. And then we can kind of go from there. So I expect that this is going to become more of a common thing, but, And you're going to see more of these culture clashes, which I believe makes us better as people anyways, learning more about uh, cultures outside your own, I think makes you a better person in general. But I do think it's interesting because as you said, you were kind of touching on there before, people want someone to not feel alone and they want someone to feel like they have someone and everything like that. But I think from my perspective that a lot of times in that show, the part that confuses me is when when you're looking for that in real life, you have either the the physical acts of love that, that can confuse you or, or at least give you some kind of dopamine hit to keep you stringing along and stuff like that. Um, or you have something else that, you know, maybe you just go into events, maybe you, you actually aren't alone, you know, the person's physically there with you. But with some of the people who are looking online, and the things they go through, I just again, and this is probably just my own uh, way that I process it, but I just don't get that same dopamine hit from somebody who's not in physical contact with me or who isn't somewhere close to me, you know what I mean? Uh, unless I already have some kind of history built with you, you know what I mean? Like if my girlfriend right now and I were separated physically, I already have that dopamine hit because m- me and her have known each other for several years. But meeting someone new, once we get past that exciting phase of it, maintaining that in the long-term period for me would not give me enough to make me settle. You know what I mean? Because that's really what I think what we're talking about a lot of times is settling for things that aren't to the level of what you actually desire. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I I look at it like this. You know, it's an emotional aspect. People want that emotional support. If you if you've ever seen the show Love After Lockup, a lot of those women are dating the men for emotional support, and likewise with the men as well. Because they can dump their emotional baggage on them. They know when the people are going to call. They know where they are. All those types of things. Because where else do they have to be? Mm-hmm. They can't go anywhere. They're in they're in jail or prison. And so I think it's the same thing when people seek um, relationships online, like the show Catfish. Mm-hmm. They date these people. They think they're dating these people for years at a time, because they have this emotional connection with this person. This person is providing them emotional support. So I think it's the same thing in, in a sense, it's just the attention. It's, it's it's all all goes back to the attention and the love and you know someone is going to be there for you. A lot of people have never had that in any sort of way, whether it's as a child or as an adult, but just knowing that you have that connection with somebody and you can tell somebody else stuff that you can't tell anybody else, I think it bonds people in in a certain way. When you think someone is supporting you, at their most vulnerable moments.
0: And I think that's probably why I just don't relate to it again. I'm not, and let me be clear about this because I know I can come off condemning that behavior. I'm not, mm-hmm. I completely am in support of anybody finding love or anything that makes them happy in any way that it does. Uh, I just, I'm just processing it through my own behaviors and one, mm-hmm. I'm terrible at staying in contact. So even if I was locked up, I ain't calling like regularly. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's I'm just unreliable in that way. A lot of times. And it's one of my flaws, mm-hmm. uh, secondary to that, uh, I, I do have a tendency to probably stop talking to people pretty quickly if they're like, so if somebody's trying to catfish me, the first time they stop responding, to message like, delete, I'm out. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think it, that plays into kind of what you talked about before is self-esteem, because there was a time in my life where that wasn't true. You know what I mean? Before I mm-hmm. actually developed a lot of the self-esteem that I have now, I would have put up with a lot more things in the guise of trying to find something, you know what I mean? Not even necessarily love, just something that made me feel connected to another human being maybe, you know what I mean? Uh, so I can, mm-hmm. again, that's why I say I don't, I don't judge those people. I, it makes me sad sometimes, like you said, when you see somebody settling for something more than what they actually desired or deserved. And that's why I always try to mm-hmm. tell people, anybody who will listen to me, uh, the first thing you should do is build a relationship with yourself and learn about who you are as a person and then be okay with that changes. Some of the things, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But you can't outright discuss, excuse me, be disgusted by yourself. You have to find some things in yourself and who you are as a person that you love. And that's part of my overall mentality is like different parts of my, who I am as a person, my human experience, I don't like. Right. But there are things Mm -hmm. that I do like, and I have to try to accept myself in that totality and change the things that I'm able to change about myself that I don't like, but not hate myself for at the same time. You know what I mean? It's, it's a balancing act and not everybody's good at it. And again, I'm not good at it all the time. I get depressed. Sometimes you get mad at yourself sometimes or whatever else, but I just, that, I feel like if those people on that show were able to do that, that show would have a lot less uh, episodes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I was just talking with uh, a counselor that I just, that I just recorded an episode with, and I was sharing that with her. I was like, you know, as I've matured and gotten older It's just certain experiences you look back on when you're doing the self-work, if you're working on yourself and actually are choosing to be happy because I believe happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. You begin to love the things about yourself that you like. You embrace that. And the things that you don't necessarily like, you don't condemn yourself for it. You just work on changing it. it. Because if it bothers you enough and if you really dislike it, you will do what it takes to change it and so that's what i believe that's that's how i am operating in my life and it makes me feel good about that i feel happy i choose to be happy every day even when i don't feel good like this like today i was feeling like crap physically feeling like crap mm. but i had to feel i had to push through that get my mind together and was like okay i have something to do today in order for me to do that, I have to choose to push through, choose to be happy, and go on,
0: if that makes sense. No, And it does. It totally makes sense. So, so what, is your, what is your strategy for doing that? What is your action that allows you to do that? Because it's different for everybody, I think. So I'm just interested to see what yours is to kind of push yourself into that place, of, if not even necessarily being happy, being somewhat content with what's going on and forcing yourself to do the things you know you should be doing. How, how do you manage that?
1: To be honest, I, it's a conscious choice in the sense that I know I could not be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm very cognizant of that every day. I am not promised tomorrow at all. I'm not promised another minute. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I have to make the decision to... To to recognize that that's what I do. I just try to recognize. It. i was like I don't feel good, but I'm like, can I move? Mm-hmm. Can I physically move? Can I push through this? And that that kind of gets me through. And mentally, when I'm having a a day that's not so good mentally, I think about this is. I try to find the lessons and things, you know, and I and I work through that on my um. On my podcast, if it is in love as well, I look at the lessons and things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't heal from trauma or unpleasant things if you don't think through it. Because there's a lesson in everything. Whether you see it in the moment or not, there's a lesson in it. And sometimes the lesson may not be for you. Maybe it's the lesson for you to share with somebody else from that experience. And they can, you know, receive a lesson from it. But there's a lesson in everything. So my process... It's all about just recognizing that my life is a gift. It's a gift. And either I can choose to embrace the gift and do the best that I can with it or just just wallow in it and be unhappy. Um, There were years that I was just unhappy. I was just unhappy and I couldn't figure out why. And I was blaming people experiences that I had for my unhappiness and what did that get what did that get me got me nowhere Mm -hmm. but more unhappiness more sadness more tears more awkwardness because I'm a socially awkward person I'm very socially awkward I can have a conversation with and I'm an introvert and most people don't get that, get that because sometimes my awkwardness will cause me to overtalk. Like if I were to meet you in person and I was nervous, either I'm not gonna talk at all, or I'm going to overtalk if I'm nervous. And you're gonna be like, "Why is she rambling on about that? That doesn't make sense." I'll give you an example. I was uh, in college. I had a boyfriend that went to another school that was in the same city. I went over to his apartment. He had a roommate. and His roommate had a girlfriend. She was a really pretty, pretty girl. I knew she was popular on their campus and everything. And I remember she told me her name was Sharika. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. I said, Sharika's a pretty popular name where I'm from. (laughs) And I was like, why the hell did you say that? It doesn't (laughs) make sense. (laughs) Yeah. I was just so awkward and nervous that I over-talked. And so back to what I was saying, me being socially unawkward and an introvert, introvert doesn't, let me say this for for people that are listening, introvert does not mean we can't be social. Mm -hmm. Introvert does not mean that we don't like people at all introversion means that we expend our energy when we are in social settings so there's only so much socializing we can do in one setting without us feeling depleted Mm -hmm. and you and other people may take it as an attitude when we no longer socialize, it's like, no, we just don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. And so we we replenish our energy by being alone, going home at night and being by ourselves in silence sometimes just recuperated. Doesn't mean we're depressed. Doesn't mean we're sad. It's just that we're recharging our energy. Like you plug your cell phone in to recharge. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It recharges faster when you're not on it, when you leave it alone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so that combined with my social awkwardness, would would sometimes rub people rub people the wrong way so i automatically started assuming people didn't like me Mm -hmm. or didn't want to be around me and so then in turn i would have an uh what some people say an attitude and i really and for me it really wasn't an attitude it was just like i just i'm I'm just assuming that you're not going to like me anyway Mm -hmm. so i'm protecting myself so i'm a little standoffish
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, you become kind but of a self-fulfilling the... prophecy in that way. And I think that's one of the yes. one of the tendencies of, uh, like you said, some self-esteem issues or just issues in general. A lot of times, if we mm-hmm. already know something's going to happen, we kind of help it happen.
1: Yes. Yes. You invite that to you. You put that energy out. You're receptive to that energy. That's what you're going to get. And so over the years, I've done a lot of Um, work as far as emotional intelligence is concerned Mm -hmm. and being aware of other people's emotions as well as my own and learning where they stem from so i'm better at that than i would have been before so that in turn influences my happiness do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. because i'm choosing to be happy and if i'm happy i'm giving off that energy but if i have a stank or or awkward energy Mm -hmm. then that's going to come off as well and people are going to respond to that energy.
0: Absolutely. And I think yeah. what I support and what I try to tell people is that doing that work is the important part. It's mm. Not about only the goal. It's not only about getting to the other side of that and becoming somebody that you kind of wanted to be. It's about doing the work to try. Trying to change yourself, try. trying to better yourself, trying to work on yourself is really, to me, a lot of what life's um, goals are about. Is just trying to get there and because we we too often judge ourselves by what the result is and you can't do that it's so lebron james has this thing he too when he talks about basketball a lot of times because like, as long as i put the work in i know i'm true to the game the result is going to be whatever it's going to be but that doesn't make the work i did bad you know what i mean and i think we have a tendency to do that mm-hmm. sometimes we'll have a tendency to say i put in all this work on this resume i got this nice suit i did all the stuff whatever that i didn't get the job and so you act like the entire process is broken And one of the big ways I see people do this, going back to kind of what we were talking about a little bit ago, uh, is with relationships. There's a, I don't know why this is the case, but there's a lot of people who, if that relationship doesn't end in marriage, then it was a waste of time. Then it was a broken relationship, that it wasn't worth anything. And I think if you, if you're with somebody for any period of time, but let's say even like a year, two years or whatever, and that's what you got out of that, then you're right. But it's not a waste of time because of what happened. It's a waste of time because of the way you look at it. Your relationships and the things that you go through day to day are not a waste of time if they don't end in the result that you're looking for. They still have value in the inner moments, uh, excuse me, in the moments that you're experiencing them. And you, you can't just look at it that way. And that's why I, I get so weirded out by people who just hate their exes. And like, I'm like, why do you hate your ex? Did they steal from you? Did they cheat on you? Like, what happened there? And they're like, oh, no, we just, we just broke up. I'm like, so you don't hate them. You just couldn't be with them, which is the most likely outcome. Whenever you smash two lives together, you're most likely not going to end up together. It's so low a percentage of chance that you're going to end up together forever that you should expect that. And then if it doesn't happen, that's awesome. But you shouldn't hate people because they can't meld their life to yours and then see them as a bad guy in your story.
1: Mm -hmm. uh, That goes back to what I said. There's a lesson in everything. Mm -hmm. Whether you see it in that moment or not, there's a lesson in everything. And sometimes that message is not clear immediately. Sometimes it takes years and years for that lesson to become clear or even just the inkling of it. And sometimes you're not even, sometimes you're not even, you don't even realize that you've learned a lesson in it mm-hmm. forever. You may not even learn, even realize you've learned a lesson, but subconsciously, subconsciously, you know, in the back of your mind, that lesson is influencing you. That experience mm-hmm. is influencing your behavior, the way you look at the world, the way you look at people, the way you interpret things. There's a lesson in every thing. I don't believe um I don't believe that every that chemistry people let me say this people think that all they need is chemistry. Mm-hmm. I just had a guest on my podcast, um a couple. They were married they they are they've been married 11 almost 12 years. Their story started off like a like a romance movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like a rom com, kind of too, and they end up experiencing a tremendous loss with the loss of their, I think, almost two year old son. Something that would normally, t- and they both decided before getting married, before meeting each other, that they did not want to, that they didn't want to have kids. They weren't interested in having kids. Once they met each other, they were like, I can see having kids with you. Their child died of pneumonia. What would normally tear them apart, force them back together. Mm-hmm. They were forced back together and their love appears to be stronger than it ever was. And one thing that Chad, which was the gentleman on the show, said, the husband, and excuse the mouth sounds, y'all, I know I have mouth sounds.
0: <laughs> all talking know. is mouth sounds anyways. It's all good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, he said that chemistry isn't everything. It Mm -hmm. ebbs and flows. Meaning it goes in and out. But you have to have something else there. that And love isn't everything either. You must have that communication factor there to help support all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think some people think, and they get it wrong in this aspect of it, thinking just because we have good chemistry, we're meant to be. That's not the case either. Chemistry doesn't dictate if you're supposed to be together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can have, you can meet some random person. I'm sure we've all met some person and been like, oh my gosh, I just love them. Not literally love them, but right, you really gotcha, like yeah. this person. Like, oh, I just like him or her. And you think, and you play this image in your mind, you daydream like, yeah, we're going to get together. We're going to have this amazing life and do this. You get to daydreaming about it. And then it doesn't happen. And you're like, what the world happened? And then you don't take ownership of your partner. You blame the other person. Mm-hmm. Chemistry isn't everything and everything isn't somebody else's fault. Sometimes it's just not meant to work. Chemistry can just be for that moment. So you can connect and learn something. Learn something about yourself. Learn what you do like, learn what you don't like, learn what you won't accept. Learn how to spot the person maybe next time that may not be as compatible with you those characteristics that may not be as compatible as you thought, just because you had a chemistry. It's a lesson in everything, and I not and, and I'm trying now more so the, more so than I ever have in life to be pur- purposeful with the way that I am living my life and trying to find the lessons in everything part of it. Excuse me. Is so I can share it. Um, I was speaking with um, that same counselor that I spoke of earlier and I was telling her, everybody gets behind this mic for for a reason. Everybody gets behind this mic to be heard. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason they want to be heard, that's the question. But the reason everybody gets on a mic as a podcaster is to be heard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the reason they want to be heard, some of it's to share, some of it's so they can be famous, some of it's Whatever. But everybody has the same thing in common. they want to be heard, and just like everybody wants to be loved and accepted for who they are, and when they're not and when they feel like they're not accepted or something doesn't work out, then they want to blame the other
0: person mm-hmm. so So what's your reason for getting behind excuse me getting behind the mic what's your why?
1: My why is because I didn't hear my voice to be. Mm-hmm. Plain and clear, I didn't hear my voice, and I knew there were other people out there that identified with me and wanted to hear something different as well. Mm-hmm. Because you hear the same thing in the in the podcast space, and this is not a criticism on anybody, no judgment, no, it's just what it's just what I've noticed and what I'm aware of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You hear a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same rhetoric, a lot of the same thought process, because that seems to be what's popular, and some people want to succeed. So they tap into what they think will help them get to that level of success, whatever that may be for them. And so then they adapt somebody else's way of presenting things or seeing the world, if that makes sense. So, but my, so I could help people. I really want to help people. I believe that is my purpose to share my story. I'm a Scorpio. So my natural instinct is to be private, not secretive private and to keep things to myself. So I've been working through that as well, being able to share things and open up more and more. And I realized that if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be able to help people in that way.
0: Okay. So you're big into uh, the Zodiac signs and that type of stuff?
1: Not necessarily.
0: Okay. No. okay. But, but I was going to I have do... you try to guess mine at the end of the conversation then. But I guess No,
1: mine. but I'm very aware of who I am and it's mm-hmm. taken years of me studying myself and me looking at... The Zodiac, some people don't believe in it at all, but I believe mine is true to me. Mm-hmm. I'm on the cusp. So I have some, a few Sagittarius traits, but a lot of the Scorpio traits. And like, I realize that I'm a leader. I know that whether anyone else recognizes that or not, I realize that I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I realize that I can also, I realized that I'm a passionate person, right? I realize that I have sexual energy and that energy could be used for good or bad. I can use my sexual energy for good or bad. And I realize that. Because that's just that's part of being a Scorpio.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm I'm passionate. And so that can come off as intense, right? And then there's the obsessive part of being a Scorpio. I can I have been obsessed with someone before, not in a sense of stalkerish. But one, like after we broke up, like what are they doing? Who are they with? Did they really care about me? Why did they care about me? Why are they with her? What are they doing today? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can tap. If you're not careful, you can go into the dark side of that. I've chosen not to go into the dark side anymore. I let that go because I was like, I look crazy. I look. I look I
0: <laughs>
1: Somebody should commit me for that because that's not good. That's not healthy for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I got you. So I'm not into it in that sense of where I can tell everybody else's. I can tell some people's um, trait, but I'm not. I'm into into mine right now. But I probably should look into that more. It does interest me, though. But I probably think I'm like Cleo or something. It's Cleo or something. Try to get a hotline going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what you touched on it before is is the reason for that is because you're paying attention to EQ or emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I've been a big proponent of because I think we commonly want to refer to iq we would commonly want to refer to how intelligent someone seems you know the elon musks and these type of people mm-hmm. uh, but if you look at research uh, and they go into it people with higher eq tend to do better in life than people with higher iqs do so and okay. you can think about this in just a typical movie fashion if you want to uh whenever you watch a movie where the world's about to end there's some scientist who has a high iq but then he's reporting to a president who probably has high eq and that's generally speaking how those things work. Or a CEO mm-hmm. in a company, the scientists yep. who work for, say, Pfizer or somebody like that, uh, they have a high IQ and then the CEO has a high EQ. So going into what you're talking about and being in touch with other people is just really showing your, your EQ and the work you did to try to develop that skill. And I think that's respectable, excuse me, respectable because I think it's how a lot of us should be able to communicate better is by paying attention to where emotionally the other person is instead of what knowledge they might have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. My career has typically been in office management and mm-hmm. administration. So I've seen it where people that are liked really like advancing the company, even though they're butt dumb. but dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but because they are likable and they have a higher um, EQ and they're able to connect with people, then they tend to advance more; they tend to get those opportunities. People that should have been fired weren't fired mm-hmm. because they were so likable. Do you understand what i'm saying oh, so yeah. i I totally agree that people that have a higher i q tend to advance more and something else that I've done some research on is that people that i think is changing now that people are recognizing. That just because someone is not talkative or outgoing doesn't mean they're not knowledgeable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Before, it was considered that people that were more outspoken and more e- extroverted were the people that knew the most. Mm-hmm. When really it's the people that you don't question in those meetings that sit there and they're quiet with their hand on their th- their face, just looking at you like this they have the knowledge. Pick them for the knowledge. Ask them what do they think. Because sometimes those are the people that have been paying the most attention and know the most. Because sometimes they've been there for longer and sometimes they've just been quiet enough to pay attention to what everybody else is saying and doing and paying attention to the results that came of
0: that. Absolutely. I can 100% agree with that. Uh, I One of the reasons that I started talking the way that I do is because I thought that that was what intelligence was. So Mm -hmm. when I was very young, I had uh, an incident with racism that convinced me that I didn't want to be stupid. And so because of that, I looked at what I thought smart was and looking through the eyes of a five-year-old or however old I was at the time, uh, I thought that meant communication. I thought that meant knowing a lot of big words and how to, to communicate in diverse manners and all these different things. And so that's what I focused on. And that's where I started to realize through that process that just because I have something to say doesn't mean it's worth listening to. And that's Mm -hmm. where you get into where you're talking about uh, with people who are the most boisterous or maybe the most extroverted or talking in those meetings and everything, they may not know what they're talking about. They just have the confidence to talk. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all that matters because if, Like you were just talking about, that person who is quiet, if they don't find a way to get that information out, that information is going to waste, and it doesn't matter that they're smart. It has to come Mm -hmm. out somehow, even if it's not directly through them. If somebody else pulls it out and then they're the mouthpiece for it, because that's what you see in a lot of companies. You know, Well, let me say it this way. It used to be that way in companies. Now you're starting to see the smart guys also be sometimes CEOs, again, referring back to the Elon Musk example, uh, because with more tech-savvy entrepreneurs, they're becoming also the smart people in the room, and then they hire other smart people to help them out with it. So it's not as uh as high EQ dependent as it used to be, whatever. So I definitely agree with the the example that you gave there. So
1: mm-hmm. I, I think um people just you know, something that I that I read is that the smartest people, the most successful CEOs, presidents of companies, so on and so forth, are the people that have people that are smarter or more knowledgeable around them Mm -hmm. because there's, there's no way that one person can know everything about the company. And when I mean everything, meaning how to do every job successfully, you may be able to do bits and pieces of every job, but to do them all successfully Mm -hmm. is impossible. Exactly. (laughs) Like, like me for being a podcaster, for instance, Technologically with the technical side, I'm trash. <laughs> I'm trash. But I have had to learn and I'm still not exceptional at it at mm-hmm. it, but I'm better. So once the point in time comes where I can afford to pay somebody to do the other stuff, oh yes, I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> because there's no way possible that I can I I'm my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I realize my limitations, and I think that that happens a lot. I'm I'm glad people are starting to see that. As far as the cult, office cultures and things mm-hmm. like that changing to recognize that other people know things too, and to give them a chance. Yeah. The only person who knows everything
0: is your significant other in an argument. <laughs> That's it. That's the only <laughs> That's person. True. <laughs> so. So there was something there was something you said towards the beginning of this that you kind of look into in your podcast. And it was one of the things I told you before we started that I kind of wanted to talk to you about. uh, And that was black love. So tell me what your concept of black love is. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the controversies around that topic that I've seen personally. And then also Mm -hmm. some of maybe the more mainstream ones.
1: Black love doesn't mean I'm opposed to black people marrying outside of their race or dating outside of their race. Mm -hmm. No. Black love. I celebrate black love because Because systemically, or since our, I'm trying to think of the right word, the word that I want to use. Mm -hmm. And I can't use integration because we're not all the way integrated into society, society. Mm -hmm. but I will use that for lack of a better term right now. Since our integration in American society, Black love, two Black people being together has not been celebrated. It's always been torn apart or some pieces of it or someone's always tried to step in whether that was during during slavery and one part was um the husband was sold off the wife was sold off the children were sold off sold off or killed or things of that nature whether it was during um reconstruction and those in that area where uh, maybe the wife and the children were left behind so the husband could go off and find a job Mm -hmm. during reconstruction or maybe the husband was enslaved because they were I'm I'm still saying enslaved because they would catch husbands on and I I shouldn't say catch like they were animals but they would Um, imprison husbands or males and then sell them off to people to work off that labor. They would um, arrest them for vagrancy or things of that nature so they can get that free labor. And then the person that they sold them off to, let's say they arrested a man for vagrancy they would give him a ticket for $25. If he didn't have that $25 to pay, there would be someone there waiting sometimes to say, hey, I could pay that $25 for you, but you have to come work for me for like a year to pay that off. Mm-hmm. And then the husband would agree. So he didn't have to be in jail for that time. And then he would go to that plantation or whatever, wherever he was going, maybe it was for a company or a corporation, like a steel company or something of that nature and work. And then they would say, well, you owe me this money because I fed you here, here, and here. And then I provided you with these clothes. And so then he would be, then he would still be enslaved, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He would still be in prison. He was still old. And so he would have to work that off. So he was separated from his family. And sometimes families wouldn't know what happened to their husbands. Jim Crow. And now in the in the era of mass incarceration and things of that nature, where husbands are being prison for 20 something years for crack and things of that nature, mm-hmm. or just simply or for a conglomerate of different things. I won't go into all these things because I can talk right, right, about right. this forever and forever, forever. Yeah. But over this what I'm saying is over the history of life here in America, black love has been interrupted. And not celebrate it. And so whenever you see a couple that can get get through that that, that PTSD and get over that and still loving each other and try to encourage healing with each other, that's to be celebrated because you have so many other factors trying to interrupt rub that and tell you that it's not right and then you have black men that have been emasculated by the system and when i say system i mean the overall um society of america they emasculate black men and they tell black women well black women are the most educated and this this that, and the other yes that is true but why aren't our black men black men as educated because they receive felonies and then they can't get that financial aid that they may need to receive to go to college Mm-hmm. And things of that nature. Or they have police that are policing the communities that seek to imprison them. Because do you know? Let me go back to this with, uh, with the drug thing. Their police departments receive incentives for a drug bust mm-hmm. or for arresting people for drugs. Let's mm-hmm. say they 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 supposedly arrest a young man for for suspicion of drugs and they seize his let's say he has five thousand let's just say he just got he just cashed his income tax check from working that year prior all year and he mm-hmm. received his income tax check let's say the police were to say hey we suspect him of selling drugs and they arrest him and take that money they can keep that
0: oh yeah what's uh for
1: uh-huh. things like that. so so police departments make money what is what that, is that called
0: though? It's, it's, There's a term some for that. It's kind of
1: bill. It's it's a bill. I can't think of the name of the bill in a minute. Yeah. Um Yeah, but if I were to pull this um a couple of these books, I could tell you, but I can't think of the name. It, I know it starts with a B. I can't think of the name so, of so,
0: Oh, wait. Uh asset forfeiture. I think that's what it's called. Yes, uh,
1: asset for, forfeiture, but it's a bill that was passed um what is that? That that supports that where we I can't think of the name of the bill. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> That's all right. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll maybe <laughs> we'll in the, about, the notes or something like that. But yeah, just yeah. to
0: make sure that I understand what you're talking about, because I, I think I do and I am familiar with the concept. Yeah, of, the asset forfeiture. But yeah. if, if police in, believe that you have money on you that is related to illegal activity, they can take mm-hmm. that money without ever trying you for anything. Don't need mm-hmm. to prove that the money was used for anything. And then you have to fight to get it back. And yeah. there's been a lot of instances of that happening where somebody was going to buy a car and then uh, I forget the actual case. I think the gentleman was in uh, somewhere out West. I don't recall exactly where, but anyways, he uh, and he had to go to court for like over a year to get, I think it was like, again, like 5,000 or something like that. He was driving to buy a car and he had to go to court and do all these other things for like over a year to try to get that $5,000 back. And I don't think he ever ended up getting it back. So I'm very, yeah, I'm familiar with what you're talking and there,
1: about. And there's but... tons of cases like that. That is not an no. isolated incident, no. No. but I can't think of the name. but what I was saying, what I was using as an example to say is that these, mm-hmm. when, you, when people say, well, the black men are going to jail the black men use drugs the black men do this this that and the other that's not necessarily the case (laughs) do you know what I'm saying and to use studies to support that those studies are skewed (laughs) you have to look at who's commissioning the studies when you look at studies that say that paint people in a negative light you have to look at who's behind the study and what's the purpose of of putting out the study what are they supporting I know sometimes like when like when companies or organizations to put out put out studies that say we use this much money to use to do this this that and other is
0: skewed mm-hmm. to to support their narrative and, and, and to so i sorry i was to agree just to, add, to add, it yeah yeah just gonna add i was just gonna add one additional thing to that too it's yeah. not even necessarily the studies are skewed because i think the data somewhere does support that but the problem with that data is that crime is only trackable once it's somebody's being arrested and as we've talked about, uh, not we, but people in general have talked about uh, black men are stopped more often. They're yes. uh, they're tried more often and things like that. So those statistics yes. are going to back up that information because you're, again, like we talked about earlier, you're only looking at the result. You're not looking at the behavior. So the other studies that are behavioral in nature that have found that white people and black people commit crime are along the same percentages – that shows you right there that if I'm stopping Black people uh, twice as much, let's just say, I, I think the number is actually higher than that, but let's just say twice as much, I'm going to find twice as many offenders, even though the crime commission is at the same rate. So then you go exactly. and you look at the, the data that only says the results of it, which is, again, arrests and trials and all this type of stuff. Uh, then you're going to find it, oh, well, Black people are committing um, inordinate amounts of crime to their population. I was like, well, that's not true. They're being arrested mm-hmm. inordinately for their population. It's not the same yes, thing that you're because talking police about. police
1: police those communities more. Mm-hmm. And when they and they profile when they stop people for so called traffic violations, and it's gonna bother the stew out of me until I think of the name <laughs> <laughs> of I that legislation that I was thinking about of that that gets the police. It's 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 what is it? I can't think of it, but I'm gonna tell you yeah. later when I think of it. So well, let's <laughs> so let's let's do,
0: this, system system let's do this though. Let's do this because, like you said, we we wanted to try to wrap this up not too long. So I wanna what I wanna, wanna, wanna yeah. try to pivot back to a little bit more is a part of the black love concept that I want to talk about because uh, I, I've read a lot of the comments on it. I've been confronted with this belief in my own life and everything like that mm-hmm. is that to be considered pro-black or to believe in black love and things like that, you have to date and marry someone who is black. Yeah. yeah, And that is always a concept to me that I'm like, that makes no sense. And I think you're, again, you're doing something that you're wanting other people to stop doing. So how are you playing that both side thing where you're like, it's okay if black people say something like that, but if a white person was to say something like that about white people, you know what I'm saying? Like, then we'd have a problem with it. And rightfully so. I think both sides of that uh, equation should not be saying those type of things now am i saying that you should not date with somebody black no that's not my position on the matter i think that you just have to say that people are going to date and love who they do love but that does not somehow take you out of the equation of being pro-black or loving black people
1: okay and so i was saying all of that to say that love that black love has not been celebrated mm-hmm. and so that that's what i was getting to with that yeah yeah and that there's always been some type of interruption. So when you see people that can survive those types of things, then you then it can be then you must celebrate it. Well, saying white love and black love is not the same thing. Just like saying black lives matter and white lives matter is not the same thing. They are not the same thing. To say black love does not discount white love is not to say that. But has white love been interrupted? Has white love been attacked? Have white families systemically been separated? No. Have white men, um, systemically and, and overall been emasculated? No. Have, have white women been labeled as wanton and, and, uh, and, and whores (laughs) and things of that nature? No. Overall as a, as, as a race of women? No. So you cannot compare the two and say that they are the that to say black love and not to say white love is racist. That is not true. Never been true. And I don't ever see it being true. Well, so so here- that is not to, it's not to say that it's racist for me or anyone else to celebrate black love. That mm-hmm. doesn't say that I'm telling you as a as as a black man or a black woman that you can't date outside of your race. No, doesn't say that, that I should not respect your love. No, that's not what it's saying. Mm-hmm. But it's saying I choose to celebrate love how I want to how I want to celebrate it because it has um, been denied for so long. That's mm-hmm. what it's saying. It's saying there has been a system in place to separate that love for so long. So when you see that love being able to survive and to produce black children fulfilled, healthy, content, successful black children and black families, that is to be celebrated
0: and so that's, that's what i what was saying. saying I was saying before that part of the concept that i agree with it's yeah, the yeah, other yeah, side yeah, of that yeah. what we're talking about and stuff where people do say that that you should so for example a population that is very well known to not marry black women is mm-hmm. uh, athletes the athletes mm-hmm. a lot of athletes end up with white women and so mm-hmm. that's become the whole thing where if you have somebody like uh I'm struggling to think of a name right now, but anyways, the point being that if some one of them does that, and then they get the comments that are always that, oh, why didn't you, couldn't even find a black queen, you can do this, you can do that and stuff, and then it becomes more detrimental to the overall conversation, where if you're celebrating black love, I support that, I support couples like Will and Jade, I support couples like Jay and Beyonce, just to go big, Michelle and Barack are a, the epitome of what black love is about. You know what I mean? That's the most beautiful I can think of when it comes to an example of that. But when you're talking about all these types of things, we have to make sure, again, from my perspective, that we don't start be attacking other types of love to support mm-hmm. the one. It should be like you said, we're supporting, we're not uh, attacking.
1: Yes, exactly. I think I think it comes in where people sometimes get offended with, with people that date outside of the race Mm -hmm. it's not because they're choosing to date outside the race it's because they talk down on (laughs) on the race Mm -hmm. it's like i have seen it where black men date other races of women and Mm -hmm. then they talk about black women
0: oh yeah are you out of
1: your freaking mind
0: I'm very that's when that. it becomes a problem <laughs> yeah, yeah that
1: is the problem it's not the problem that you love who you love that is not that that is not the issue the problem is that you choose to downgrade and disrespect others to uplift someone else that's not mm. how it goes that's just like if you were to date someone and let's say someone of the same race but they choose to disrespect their ex and downgrade their ex to make you feel better why you don't need to do that. That's yeah. not necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's, that. there is there is prob- part of the problem with that. It's not that people are dating outside their race or they just find that they're attracted to someone that happens to be of another race.
0: That's not the problem. No, and like I said, I am I agree with when that is the interpretation of it. There are certain black men who date women of other races, and then they have comments about black women. Yeah, I understand mm-hmm. why that needs to be talked about. Uh, but there are others who, again, without them having said anything, that is a perception of some people. And there is a lot of dualities to it. There's a lot of uh things that go on. So, for example, Serena doesn't get to not Serena. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I always do this. I never am mm-hmm. confident about which sister I'm talking about, but I'm very confident in this. She's the one who married the Reddit guy, right? I think so.
1: Yes, I think yeah. both of them are married to white men, right?
0: I I honestly do. Venus does I, not pop up as often in my my uh, realm of knowledge. Serena, is I know at one point she did. I don't know
1: if yeah. she actually married him, but she was in a serious relationship yeah. with the with the um white guy too at some yeah. point.
0: And so then that's but that's part of the overall conversation that it seems to be. And I, I think this is one of those things where the loudest voices become your perception of what people are saying. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that everybody's saying that. It's just that's who's the loudest. Uh, but anyways, is it, that she doesn't catch as much flack as a black man would for dating a white woman. But I think it's what you're talking about a lot of time, too, because she hasn't gone out, to the best of my knowledge, and started just shitting on black men. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Whereas a lot of the black dudes who do it, they will talk about other women, in a, excuse me, a black women in a negative light. And so let me, let me say something from my own personal uh, perspective i traditionally have dated a lot of women that aren't black i have dated black women as well i'm myself black um Mm -hmm. and that's got nothing to do with black women what that has to do and this is just show how pervasive uh racism can affect the mind state and everything like that is because Mm -hmm. at a young age somebody told me i was supposed to uh a white woman told me i was supposed to date and end up with a black woman basically to go back to my own kind when i said i had a crush on a white girl or something like that and so from that moment on It turned me off of the concept of kind of dating uh, in my race because, well, for one, I'm mixed. So that was always a concept that didn't make sense to me. How am I dating in my race when I'm dating a black girl but not a white girl if I'm mixed? But we'll go on to that in a second. But my whole thing is you can't tell me that I have to love somebody because I need to stay with my kind or I need to go back to stuff like that. And so for me, it soured that concept of my own internal black love and ending up with a black woman. So Uh, my girlfriend now is not black uh, and we have no intentions of breaking up or anything like that. But in the future, say something happened and we did, I would have no problems dating a black woman, but it took me a long time to come to terms with that concept again, not because black women did anything. Black women are beautiful. They're queens and everything else. I have no problem with them. My, it's an internal struggle for me because like I said, racism told me that I'm supposed to date a black woman. And anytime you tell me I'm supposed to do something, I usually stop playing the game and then I do whatever the hell I want to do from the beginning. So you know, that kind of changed my entire dating history based upon some racist comment that I experienced at such a young age. And that's kind of like a messed up part of it.
1: Yeah. And so excuse me. There in lot there is a part of my of of my belief why black love should be celebrated because mm-hmm. there was another person attacking black love even though they weren't necessarily trying to attack it in that way. Yeah. They told you that that's what you were supposed to do. They tried to dictate to you what you were supposed to do and that affected you negatively mm-hmm. and t- made you turn away. You get know what I'm saying? Yeah. So whenever you can find where black love is celebrated, that's where you celebrate it. Because there's always systems there that try to tear it down in some way, impact it in some way, control it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I don't like. When the, when over people try to control what black people do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They try to control our love. They control control our success, basically try to control our lives. There have been systems in place to do that. Now, that does not mean that a black person cannot be successful with a white person in love and that I'm opposed to that. No. I have a problem when they are opposed to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And especially when they're opposed to that for others. Yeah, You know, and- just like they have a right to love outside of their race so do people have the right to love inside of the race.
0: The only and time I traditionally have, have a problem with work. somebody uh, outside the race and everything like that is if you start start to diminish your place in your own race and your own identity to make that relationship work. Mm-hmm. If you're not allowed to be black in your relationship as a black person in America, then you're not in an interracial relationship.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And that, that, and there is another problem with that is oh. Um, now, that's not to say that I've never had an issue with interracial relationships.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I, when I have a problem with interracial relationships, is in line with, with, with what you said. When you lose sight of who you are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you have someone that is not, that cannot identify with your culture, any parts of your culture, raising your biracial children that will be identified as black by other people and that may self identify as black know nothing about their blackness because the person that you chose to marry knows nothing about blackness and you haven't chosen to teach them anything about blackness as well as the children you reproduce you have chosen to teach them nothing about blackness so they are clueless and so they go out in this world as perceived black men and women and can't survive and have identity issues and then in turn sometimes speak that divisive language and rhetoric Mm -hmm. because they don't know anything else because they've heard it from that other side of the family and when i say other i don't mean to be disrespectful but that could mean white asian native you know um latin white latin i should say because black latin should know better but that's a whole nother issue
0: Don't <laughs> a conversation. That, that's, not, that's a much more complex topic as well because now you're talking yes, about colorism that's... and identity and all those other things yes too. Yeah. yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> that's, what I'm
1: saying. that's a whole nother issue there but i'm saying that's when i have the issue with people being in interracial relationships when they when they when they produce children and the children have no idea of their blackness can't tell you what it is have no no awareness and leave and go out into the world confused Mm -hmm. and having to be told who they are by somebody else
0: and this is one of the reasons i always give props to my mother who is caucasian uh she was very aware of that responsibility and she refused Mm -hmm. to let us be ill-equipped that way and so she took us to black churches by design not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and she did a lot of those things to try to make sure that she was aware that she couldn't necessarily teach us with blackness because she didn't have it herself, but she mm-hmm. could put us in a position where we could learn about it, and she made sure that the conversation she did have with her friends who were black and stuff uh, that she would also try to communicate that message to me. My mom was one of the first people to tell me about being pulled over by cops and all that type of stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you're talking about. It goes both ways. You have mm-hmm. to be black in a relationship, and as a parent of a child who may not be uh, purely white. You have to also, rep, excuse me, you have to remember that your experience is not necessarily going to be their experience and you have to equip them appropriately. And that doesn't mean that you go out and you try to tell them what you saw in some episode of whatever sitcom you were watching, but you actually do the research. You actually talk to some real people in those communities and then you also introduce your, your children to those people in those communities as well. You don't separate them from that part of, part of themselves.
1: Yes, and that is your responsibility as a Black person going into an interracial relationship where mm-hmm. your children may be produced. That, that you have to realize that is your responsibility. You have the responsibility to choose some to, to choose someone that is open to learning about your culture if you want to if you want to have children with that person. That person has to be aware. You need to be conscious of the person that you're choosing. You need to be conscious of the kind of family that you're marrying into because grand grandpa and grandma may be racist and those may be the people that are watching your children while you're at work and in, in teaching them that their blackness is their inferior because they have they're black. Mm-hmm. That their blackness is not to be celebrated. So if that is your responsibility to do that and to teach your children, to actively teach your children, to actually teach your take your children around your black family. And if you're not in good standing with your black family for whatever reason, it could be because of some emotional trauma, whatever that may be. Then you expose them to other black people some other kind of way. Mm-hmm. But that is your responsibility. And so therein lies where the problem that the only problem that I the only one of only two problems, maybe three, but only one of two (laughs) problems that I have with interracial relationships. When people go into them, not um, holding themselves accountable Mm -hmm. for how their children will be impacted. Uh, i i i don't i don't i don't I, yeah i have a big problem with that but you love who you want to love i have no problem with with people that marry into marry and their children are aware of their blackness but still embrace their white side of the family there's there's no problem with that why would there be a problem with that
0: mm-hmm. and so I'll, I'll go even one above what you said i have a stricter standard for myself because I think you need to represent yourself as whatever you're bringing to their relationship, no matter if kids are going to be involved or not. And here's a comparison I always make. If you marry somebody who may be uh, Latin or maybe uh, some type of Asian or whatever they may be, a lot of times they'll bring that culture into the relationship with them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Why should it be any different for being Black? Why wouldn't you bring Black culture into it? Again, just pointing to my own picture now, my girlfriend is Persian. And so she's taught me a ton about Persian culture. She's brought Persian culture into this. And I have, in turn, again, brought my Blackness into this relationship as well. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Be who you are in your relationship. And if you're not, going back to the 90-day fiancé thing, if you can't be who you are and your identity has to change fundamentally to be in a relationship, it's probably not the right one for you. You should be okay with who you are and then find somebody who wants to be in a relationship with who you actually are.
1: Yeah, that's true. However, what, what I was saying is that for me, that I can't tell you what you're, how to live your life because you're a consenting
0: adult. Do you, do you get what I'm no, saying? No, no, and no, it, no I totally, impact, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I just like to tell people what to do. It's fine. Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. I didn't say you would tell anybody what to do. Do I like that? Do, do I agree with you? yes i totally agree with you but can i realistically have an issue with that and expect somebody to listen to me about that no why because if you're not planning on having children with that person then you you're a consenting adult you can do I, i'm a firm believer in letting consenting adults do what makes uh, consenting adults happy long as they're not hurting anybody mm-hmm. the thing with them with 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 People getting with people outside their race and dogging outside of their ra- dogging women that are a part of their race—that's a problem because they're hurting other people. Mm-hmm. People that get with people and don't necessarily make sure their children are aware of their culture—that's a problem because they're hurting their children. That—that's—that's that's in there where my um where my issues lie with interracial dating. Specifically, those are my biggest issues with that because if you choose to to deny your blackness. Let's just say you're you're mixed and you can pass as white. Mm -hmm. If you choose to pass as white to make your life better, but you're not planning on reproducing and possibly having children that come out darker than you, then that's fine. That's your issue. You have the right to choose however you want to live your life. Do I agree with it? No, but it's not my right to tell you as a consenting, able-bodied adult and with your own autonomy how to live your life.
0: And I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I will say that I do try to at least have some conversations or talk about those situations in a way that I believe people should uh, try to interact with their own identities. Because I think, again, if you're like you said, you can pass as something doesn't mean you are that thing. Mm -hmm. We go and we go. But again, I I know she's been dragged through the mud. I wonder what she's doing these days, actually. But uh, Rachel Dolezal or whatever, however you say Mm -hmm. her last name, I can never say it right. Uh, She's a perfect example of that she believed and she did successfully for many years passes black mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so I, I go to the same thing because that's exactly what you're doing if you are mixed and you have black in you that is at a genetic level like you said you could have a child who comes out very mm-hmm. dark skin and then what because you've denied your own identity your entire life how are you going to deal with it that is your identity you're you're mm-hmm. talking about something that isn't I don't know. Like I said, I, I, again, this is where it becomes that preachiness and everything like that. So I don't want to do that, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I think autonomy of adults and being able to live your life in a million different ways is one of the reasons that we love America the way that we do. But I also say that I believe we have to do a lot more work on a, uh, psychological level i guess and the way that we identify ourselves and the way that we consistently look at our own behaviors and our own belonging to certain groups and continue to not just deny those groups as a way of getting around it that can't be done that's how you get to colorblindness that's how you get to all Mm -hmm. these different things and they just don't work in my opinion
1: yeah i don't believe there's such thing i I always look at people sideways when they say i don't see color Mm -hmm. what how do you not that's one of the most amazing things about us being different you get mm-hmm. to see all these ranges and these variations of color. Even within our own blackness, we see from the various of light to the darkest of beautiful darks. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a part of it. But to deny that you see it, that's an issue. Because <laughs> that's a lie. Because I know that you see it. Are you choosing to uh, not treat anyone different because of the color that you see? That's a good thing.
0: Yeah. If I see but one to more of those- deny
1: that you see it, That's the
0: problem. If I see one more of those colorblind people sharing that stupid ass clip of Morgan Freeman talking about (laughs) how we solve racism is by stop talking about it, I swear. It's ridiculous.
1: That's the stupidest thing. You don't solve a problem by 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 ignoring the problem. Yeah,
0: just pretend it doesn't exist. That's how you get rid of mold. Just like (laughs) what are you talking
1: about? Yeah, you're not gonna have infested lungs because you didn't
0: see the mold, but you Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I don't give the mold energy, the mold will not control me. on man you're killing me with
1: that it just it just is what it is and it's like like what i was saying earlier don't solve problems by acting like they don't exist Mm. that's what doing self-work to to dealing with racism you don't like it you can't solve it or fix it or even um try to fix it or work on it or make it better by acting like it doesn't exist it's so many issues there with racism in this country and it takes a lot to unpack and it's so complicated and multi-layered It's not a simple thing it's really not not to talk about and to tell people how to address it and hoping that people will listen because people get offended when you talk about race Mm-hmm. especially uh, perpetrators <laughs> of, of 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 oppression and benefactors of the sy- systemic oppression and their whiteness <laughs> you know those people like that get offended and they when you when you bring it up when i say people like that i mean people that don't want to change Anything about their behavior, they get offended. They get offended, and uh, it becomes more complicated to to talk about than it needs to be, and it it just becomes a, a deeper and bigger mess and hole to dig out of. So that is why celebrating Black love, Black culture blackness overall is so important because if you don't it you we will be erased and we will no longer be able to feel comfortable celebrating ourselves acknowledging who we are embracing who we are and raising successful in whatever way that is for the person confident empowered black men and women
0: well, I'm going to leave that conversation where it is because we could talk about this for another two hours, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I know that you got to get going. <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on here and chopping it up with me about those topics. I definitely have so, plenty more to say about a lot of those things. I definitely want to dive more back into them. So we're going to have to do this again at some point. Yes, so. I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> well, Thank you so much, like I said before. And go ahead and tell everybody one more time where they can find you at.
1: You can find me online at on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Scorpion November on Twitter. <laughs> leave out the E at the end between the B and the R <laughs> because they wouldn't let me be graded at the ER. <laughs> so I had to leave out the E. So at Scorpion November, November, all those places. My podcasts are If It Isn't Love podcast, um, Smart Mouth Scorpio podcast, and The Fix pod.
0: Outstanding. Well, thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. Yes. Thanks for checking out today's episode. If you want to hear more Starting Nowhere, make sure that you like and subscribe.